You are listening to Vida Abundante. We have started a verse-by-verse study of the Gospel of Jesus Christ according to John. Here's Pastor Jonathan Gallardo. But this passage, and I'm referencing the passage between verses 4 and 5, and specifically on the latter part of verse 4 and 5, this will show us exactly the purpose of Christ. So as we gave the overall summary at the beginning of our study with John, we gave this information and this aspect of John presenting Christ as the one who will bring salvation to all humanity. And in this particular verse, it stresses on this wonderful aspect of how the Son of God how the Logos, or the Word of God, will bring this salvation about. So read with me at the beginning of verse 4, so that you can remind yourself what what we've been in. In verse 4 it says, In Him was life. We spoke about that last week. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, And the darkness has not overcome it. So as we've studied this past couple of weeks in the person of Jesus Christ, especially the word concept, after we've studied and invested so much time in this, we've seen and we've understood that he is God and that he creates heaven and earth. And this creator also creates life. And this life is given to every single one of us Here, you are not only living, breathing, walking, talking, and eating, but you have spiritual life. You are here because you've recognized one crucial issue that many others have not. You've identified your poverty before God. You've identified who you are separate from God. And most importantly, you've come to Christ because you've understood one major concept, that you need Christ. All of us here can humbly come Sunday morning and we're here because we've understood that we need Him. He is the source and sustainer of our life and He has revealed to us what many people in the past, especially the prophets, have been yearning to see. He has revealed to us the Father. He has shown us who God is. Can you imagine that weighty concept right now? People like Moses stood on the mountaintop asking God to reveal his glory. And the Lord just walked past him without letting him see his face. Think about that, Moses. Now think about your life in comparison to a life like Moses. Old Testament saints like Isaiah and Jeremiah, people that long to, to see the glory of God, and now you and I, have the benefit and have the opportunity to gaze upon our Father God because we see Him through the cross. We see Him through Jesus Christ. How do you, how do you see Jesus? Is, Jesus is, is He that guy hanging on the cross that we typically see at churches? Is He that guy that's presented by Mel Gibson in The Passion? Is he, how does Jesus look? Is he white? Is he dark-skinned? Is he black? Is he, what is he? And all of that is, 
is secondary and tertiary because it doesn't really matter what we're talking about is that we get to see the radiance of the glory of God through Jesus Christ in every single person here. Because the beautiful part of the New Testament and the New Covenant is that now the Holy Spirit resides in us. And when the Holy Spirit resides in us, we give off that resemblance of Christ. So we show who Jesus Christ is by the way we speak, by the way we talk, and by the way we communicate, by the way we act, and most importantly, by the way we love. If we don't love one another, friends, then there's a big issue there. And we are not God's church. God's church is called to love one another because that represents who Jesus is. So the important part of this is that we get to gaze upon this. We get to see this. We get to experience it when others did not do so. But this life came about. This life was given to us. But now we see this life because there is light involved. So here we begin this connection between life and light in Jesus Christ, and we will begin to see the obvious connections to the sustainment of life. We cannot live separate from life. The physical world cannot live separate from, from life, from physical light. Neither can the spiritual world, and that's why it's presented here in Jesus Christ. The light was the light of humanity. The light was the light of man. And so this logos, this word concept that we've been hearing about in these first three verses, this person, this, this, this uh, word and being from Christ is, is seen by giving us this eternal spiritual life, but then we get to see these connections, these wonderful connections from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And this is why this is important to study this, because for you to be able to identify these connections is crucial to your understanding of learning what the Word of God says. So this word connection that we see here at the very beginning from the Old Testament, we get to understand that a lot of the teaching that came about from the Old Testament referenced the light and the goodness of the light. And also the perils or the dangers of being in darkness. So if you just, at a basic level, if you can try to stand up in uh, one morning at 3 a.m. in the morning, don't turn on any of the lights in your room, and try getting to the kitchen without using your cell phone lamp. You'll fall, you'll, you'll bust your pinky toe on the corner table, and you'll break a nail or something. It's, it's difficult. You can't navigate regular life without the light. So in the Old Testament, this teaching shows us the goodness of the light. It shows us the, the greatness of being able to live inside the light and the dangers of being in darkness. I love what Job says in, 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 in the Old Testament. In chapter 18, he describes that light leaves the wicked ways and brings them to destruction. So apart from the light of Christ, they live a life of destruction. And in verse 18 of chapter 18, it says, They are closed from an inhabited world because they have no more light in them. It's a dangerous world and it's a dangerous life in the Old Testament to live separate from this light. In contrast to the wicked, those who live by God's life or by God's light, 
They live according to God's word. They live according to God's law. And they live according to God's wisdom. So in the Old Testament, we have this concept of those who are living correctly before God, those who are walking in correct form with God, they walk in correct form because they're living in the light. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 105, it says that his word is light. Lamp upon my feet is your word. It reveals the path. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23, his law is related to light. In Psalm, back to Psalm 119, verse 130, wisdom, the wisdom of God is referenced as light. So what, what, what is completely being said here is that those not only who have received life can live and can walk and can abide in Light, in order for them to rock correctly, there is a revelation of light so that those who live and have this wonderful life can walk. So how mean or how, how evil it would have been for God to say, I'm going to give you life, but you're going to have to figure it out for yourself. I'm going to give you this wonderful spiritual life, but you're going to have to navigate the world without any light. And if you fail, it's your fault. It's not like that with God. God says, I'm going to give you life, and in this life, you are, I'm going to reveal. I'm going to show you how to live. I'm going to shine in the darkness so that you can see what it is like to follow and depend completely on my word, on my law, and on my wisdom. And today, it's the biggest contrast ever because we live more according to what other people say. We live according to our own set of laws or many of us are uh, anarchists and we're like, we don't have to say, we don't have to follow anybody's instruction. I live on my own. I don't pay my taxes. I don't do anything. I don't have to listen to my mother. I don't have to listen to my father. I don't, I don't have to listen to my wife. I don't have to listen to my husband. We live without any authority in our lives. We are, are, are lone rangers. We, we are anarchists at heart. And, and this culture has taught that that's the way we're supposed to live. Don't, they, don't say sorry to anybody. Live according to your own wisdom. Live according to your own word. Live according to your own law. There is a stark contrast. And that contrast equals darkness. Because if that's what the world preaches or the people outside of these four walls, the, the culture, if that's what the culture preaches, then we have to understand that these things that are occurring in our culture are a result of that type of lifestyle. All this violence, all this mental illness that has been spilled across for many decades now, all of this drug abuse, all of this, this incorrect behavior has become about because people have said, we do not need God. We can live off our own understanding. And there is your solution. But in the Old Testament, this light was given to the people so that they could live and abide by it and they can see 
what it was to live by. It not only gave them the, the, this wonderful aspect, but then it did something else in the Old Testament. We're going to get to the New Testament connection soon. But in the Old Testament, it was this living under this type of light that gave people this wonderful type of life. But it also pointed them to a person. It also pointed them to what they understood as the Messiah. It pointed them to what you and I know as Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, we have prophets like, like Balaam in the book of Numbers who had these visions of, 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 of the land and had visions of the people of God. But he also, also had a vision of the coming Jesus Christ. And what he said about him was that he is like the rising star. Obviously, stars give off light. It's difficult to see stars in the city, but if you go out to the, uh, the, these rural areas, if you go out to the farm in, 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 in Indiana somewhere or, or somewhere in Wisconsin, you'll be able to see these stars and how they give off life. And the prophets of old saw that the person that was going to come was a giver of light. So they saw in, in the Messiah a rising star. The prophet Isaiah would say that his light has dawned on the living and on the dead. And I want to read this with you because this is important. Go with me to Isaiah. Turn quickly to Isaiah. In chapter 9, he talks about the light shining on the living and on the dead. But look at what chapter 60 says. Very famous passage in the Old Testament. And Isaiah says in chapter 60, verse 1, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around, and see that... They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you by the rising of this light. Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, says that the Messiah is the Son of of righteousness shines upon everything and everyone. So, why is that important? Well, it's important because in John, we get this connection with it. We have identified that if the Old Testament saints perceived a light in a certain way, John reminds them that light that word, that wisdom, that law, that understanding is now found in Jesus Christ. So you and I could kind of distance ourselves and say, well, the light in the Old Testament, I mean, man, we're talking about 4,000 years ago, man. That's, that's old. We don't need to know that stuff. Well, that old stuff that happened 4,000 years ago, that light that guided the people 4,000 years of history, and then it came into this New Testament understanding 2,000 years ago, and the light continues to shine. So now you and I don't live off of just these 
two tablets of stone that we've seen in the movies. And, oh, yeah, I remember where this guy grabs these two tablets. He stands on the mountain, and then he crushes them, right? Yeah, Charlton Heston, if you guys remember who he is. But if you guys have ever seen the Old Testament movie of the Ten Commandments, that kind of brings to mind what that is. But that's not what we live off now, because now we have the light of Christ. Jesus, or the word in John's gospel is connected, and now in Christ we have the Word of God, the wisdom of God, and the law of God in Christ. He is the light that shines over God's people. In the Old Testament, it was God who shone over God's people. In the New Testament, now God, through Jesus Christ, is shining over God's people. Now we can to see and experience this life that has been given to us, this wonderful gift of life that has been granted to us graciously by Jesus Christ. Now we get to live this life and enjoy this life because we have his words, because we have his life to emulate, because we are guided by his wisdom. We are not alone anymore. That's why we read at, in, in, the, in our worship service, we read Hebrews chapter 1. We get to see this. God has spoken in the Old Testament through prophets, but now he speaks to us and now he reveals himself to us by Jesus Christ. If you remember that famous verse in Hebrews 1, verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God. He shines God upon us. He shows us who he is, what he is. He has given us this wonderful light. He is the revelation of our God. In the Old Testament, the people saw who God was by his light. If you remember the famous Psalm, Psalm chapter 36, verse 9, that says, In your light we see the light. It's, it's kind of like a double uh, meaning or a double type of connotation, but it's in your light. Now that you've given us light, we see you. We can see you now. Think about it for, for a bit. In darkness, what can you see? You can't see anything. There's nothing there. Even if there is something there, you can't see it. So it's not like God gave us life and then stood in front of us and we're in pitch black and he says, why can't you see me? And we're like, well, it's black. We can't see anything. Well, now God has given us Jesus Christ and he has shone upon our souls and upon our hearts and upon our minds. And now we get to see God, not in a mystical way where we're like, wow, I wonder what color his beard is. Wow, what color is his skin? Is he really a white guy? Is he really a black guy? Is he really a brown guy? Is he like us? Who cares? We're looking and we're gazing upon the giver of life. This is who God is. And because we walk in Christ, and because we live in Christ, we get to see it and experience it. So this light, my friends, isn't just a wonderful portrayal of shining, giving us the opportunity to see, but is what we've understood from the Word of God as being a light of salvation. Salvation comes through the light. Salvation. Now, salvation from what? We're going to get to that 
deeper in John's gospel because this is John's gospel. This is, this is his message. This is the theme of, of righteousness and, and righteous judgment. You know, there is this portrayal of God as, and, and through Jesus Christ as the giver of life, but also Jesus Christ as the one who will ultimately judge everyone. So we are brought into this light because this light brings salvation. It reveals to us the nature of God, and it will reveal to us our very own nature. See, in Genesis, in the first chapter of Genesis, we understand that light was the first thing created. It was the, the, the revelation of light in a place that was dark. In the New Testament, this light shines over humanity. There was an absence of God's presence in humanity. And so this light, as John describes it, is for humanity, and it has come in power. I love this. If you look back at verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, the light of humanity. Now, if you understand this, I want to get into the Greek text a little bit because it just it make, it, it gives it this deeper understanding of what we're, we're supposed to get from this passage. But this, this light of man or light of humanity is not talking about a subjective light. Whereas this light isn't humanity's light. It's not your light. It's not what you shine. Where people have interpreted this in that way and it's kind of a a very bad, can you imagine if this verse really meant that? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So men or humanity gave off life through their light? That's not what it's talking about here. This is an objective genitive where it's talking about now the giver of life has brought life. So if we could translate verse 4 like this, in him was life, and the life was the light for men. Or for humanity. It's his light that brings light. It isn't our light that shines. We got nothing to shine apart from Christ. It's God's light for us. That's the purpose again. We, we have a deep purpose in Christ that, that he gave us life. But the purpose of giving us life was to shine his light upon us. Why? Because this light brings salvation, friends. It's saving us from our darkness. It's saving us from our sin. It's pulling us away from this world and bringing us to Christ. This is the light for us, for you and for me. And that's why it's very important for us to understand this, that we do not save ourselves. We do not live off ourselves in the spiritual sense. We do not have salvation within ourselves. If that was the case, once again, I always remind people, if you think you can save yourself by being good, doing good, and just coming up with that basic understanding of saying, I'm a good person, I don't steal, I don't rob, I give to the poor every once in a while, I help feed the, the homeless, I mean, what's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with me. What do I need to be saved from? Well, then my friends, then you really don't, there's no need for you to be here. And you could tell the person who brought you, be like, see, I'm good. I don't have to come back. Now you have to buy me double breakfast for, for making me and forcing me to come here. But to the rest of us, 
We've understood that we can't save ourselves. That at the core of our being, there's this natural tendency to err. There's this natural tendency to idolatrize. It's, it's to focus ourselves on idolatry, to focus ourselves on other things, to really fulfill our carnal desires. We've understood that. But now that we have the light of salvation that presents to us and that confronts us and that shows us who we really are. I love what 2 Corinthians has to say. I was going to read it just quickly, but I want you to see it. Go with me to 2 Corinthians. I want you to see this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul describes it in this sense. Chapter 4, verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of who? In the face of who? Of Jesus Christ. So when light shines, what does it do? Paul says it gives us knowledge. So our ignorance has been wiped away. We are not ignorant of this anymore. But this knowledge has brought us closer to the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the connection of life and light that saves us and brings us to Him. It's a light of salvation, and we see it in Jesus Christ. God is bringing this gift to humanity, and, it making the, and it's making the spiritual life possible. You can act spiritual. See, there's, there's a difference between playing the part spiritually, and you've, you've seen this. Those who play the spiritual life are very good at it. And believe it, friends, I've grown up in church almost my entire life. I could kind of just, I could go off the whim and describe a religious person who is living outside of the light. And you and I have seen it. It's the, 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 the person that goes to church four times a week, that goes to the prayer service, that goes to the Bible study, that opens up his home for a, a home group, that comes to church with a big Bible, that dresses nice, that, that, that dresses with a tie, that does all of that stuff, but at home they are a mess. And, and you ask yourself all the time, how does, this, how does this make any sense? This guy comes to church. This guy prays a lot. This guy be reading that Bible a lot. This guy is always like talking to other people about Christ. But at home, he's, he's abusing verbally his, his wife. He, he, he doesn't pay attention to his kids. He, he, everybody hates him at work. How, how does this make any sense? Well, that's living, acting spiritual. That is not being spiritual. That's what we believe sometimes to be spirituality, but that's not spirituality. God's light shows us exactly what that would entail for us. And when we walk in light, friends, it's not that we are perfect beings. It's that we walk in light and we fear to strive and walk away into the darkness. Because if we go back to our old ways, if we do what we used to do, we fear that. I don't want to keep living like that. I don't want to keep being tied down to my addictions. I don't want to keep being tied down to all these things that would deter me away from living a life of holiness before God. It makes us hate our old nature. 
The spiritual life that is given to us is reflected in light. So what you do here on Sunday morning, you do on Monday morning, and you do Monday afternoon, and you do Monday when you get to work, and you do it on Monday when you get back home from work. I've seen so many kids that are now 21, 22, 23, 24 years old, 25 years old, so many kids that, were, that grew up in church, and they hate church because of their parents. Their parents never showed them what it was like to live a life of integrity in light. Friends, this is what we're called to do. Walk in light because the light shines. This gives you the opportunity not to be ignorant anymore. You're not blind. You are not walking blindfolded. You are walking with your eyes open wide and you see the glory in the face of Jesus Christ. So this light goes a little bit further. It not only reveals the light of the, the glory of Jesus Christ, the glory of God in Jesus Christ, but it reveals to us and it pushes us to make a decision. When there is knowledge and when there is understanding, we have a decision to make. We either ignore it, we either walk in light, or we don't. That's there's basically always just two options in the Bible. Walk in the right, righteous path or walk in the path of the wicked. Which, which one are you going to choose? And, and, and just, to, just to go with that, I want to read this to you. I read this to my kids every day. Go, go with me to Psalm chapter 1. Here are the two choices all the time. Psalm chapter 1, it's a very known chapter, and I'm going to read it to you so that you understand what this means. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. You get that? You see that? Blessed is that man. That means happy is that man. And then verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. That's the benefits of walking in God's word. That's the benefits of walking in God's light. What is it like to walk outside of God's light? Well, verse 4 is very clear. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. That's it. You, you have this choice today, and that's before you. You have been revealed knowledge. You know who Jesus Christ is. You know what he's about. You know that your life before Christ needs to change. I mean, I know I need to change a lot. But the question is, what are you going to do about it? What, are you going to stay the same? Okay, if you stay the same, well, you are like the wicked that are not planted by streams of water, whose chaff withers and the wind blows it away and who ultimately perish. Yeah, the Bible's harsh. It's harsh because it confronts. It's harsh because it reveals the truth. The truth have you ever had a friend that is very truthful, that will tell you straight out, like, 
bam. Man, bro, that outfit looks nasty. That, <laughs> go back and go change. I'm not going out with you like that. Like, they'll tell you straight out the truth, and it's like, oh. Or, or, or I remember even in, in the beginning of my preaching years, and, and I would come home, and my dad would be like, man, you did okay. There's, there's a lot you could have changed. Cry at home. Uh, you get confronted with truth, right? And it hurts and it sucks because it, 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 it eats your ego. But what does it do? It makes you change. It makes you say, you know what, next time I'm not going to do that. Next time I'm going to do this. Next time, yeah, thank, thank you for letting me know. It hurts. You slapped me in my face. I mean, that, that, that really hurts. But it revealed to me something that I had not seen before. Thank you for doing that. And then you change. Or you can be like, I don't, need, I don't need to listen to you. Look at you. Look at you. You want, you want me to take advice from you? I'm good. I'll do my own thing. Right? And that's basically sometimes what we've always tended to do because we don't like truth. It hurts too much. And so the word of God does that all the time. And the word of God just tells you flat out, walk in light or walk in darkness. And here's the result of walking in light. Here's the result of walking in darkness. And you can be like, I want to walk in light. Or you can be like, I don't need to listen to that. You want me to, want me to do that? Okay. I won't come back. I won't do this. I, I don't need to do that. And we could give off our attitude towards it, but that's just basically what it does. And that's why this light isn't just a beautiful light, but it's a light of salvation that brings you to a decision. What are you going to do? You're going to walk in it? Or are you going to walk out of it? And that's why in verse 5, this light takes on this broader meaning. Verse 5 says, the light shines in the what? What does it shine in? It shines in the darkness. And I love this grammar that comes out from you. Because prior to this, some of the verbs that were being used were aorist or summary verbs. But this verb, fine, or the, the, the verb that translates to shine, is used in the present tense. The timing of this verb is important because he is not just giving us a summary of what Christ did. What the law did, what, what, what the logos did. He shined. No, no, no. He shined and he continues to shine. Why? Because there's always darkness. There's always darkness. And when there's always darkness, there's always going to be a light that shines over it. There's always going to be this, this, this time where the light is being revealed over every aspect of darkness. It continues to shine even to this day. The darkness here is not just a literal pitch black aspect of darkness, but it is a darkness that reveals the realm of sin and death. And this is where the light of Christ is most important. Because you and I were born into the realm of sin and death. And that's why at salvation, Paul says in, in, first, in Colossians chapter 1, he says in this conversion we are transferred from this realm of sin and death and we are transferred into the reign of light. 
So when we are saved, we're saved from what? We're saved from this realm of sin and death, a realm where we've only enjoyed all what our flesh could gather for ourselves. Everything for us. Money for us. Women, men for us. Uh, Things, material things for us. Everything that our flesh desires. This is the realm of sin and death. And that's what the Bible calls darkness. And God says, and the light shines in the darkness. This coming of the light reveals who God is, and it exposes the world's darkness and immorality. See, friends, this is the the, the important aspect of light. It's a revelation of God, but it's an exposure of sin. No, it it's great when, when we could walk and see everything and, and be in a place where it's, it, it, the lights are on. But, but picture yourself naked. Picture yourself even in this room naked or, or, or with dirty clothes or with dirty, like everything, no makeup on. and no, You couldn't have time to fix your hair. You couldn't do, everything's messed up. You went through some horrible thing yesterday night and you're here and, and all the lights are on and you're just kind of like, oh, I don't want anyone to see me. I didn't have a chance to go home. I, I went through this whole ordeal yesterday night. I'm, I'm a mess. Picture yourself in that and you see the light and it's just like, I can't, I can't be here. People are going to see me. Others are like, man, I had the chance to go home. And I woke up, I brushed my teeth, I combed my hair, I I, I put on my nice Sunday morning clothes, and I'm here. And you're like, yeah, shine the light, because, man, I want to show my outfit today. I want to show my new shoes. I want to show myself. And you you get to live in that spirit, in that experience, and you're like, yeah, I love this. But what about those who can't? And so that's what light does. It brings uncomfort for some. And so that person then has this wonderful opportunity to say, help me dress me, change me, give me some new clothes, give me the opportunity to live and enjoy that light or, or can hide, 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 and go away. Because a lot of us can't stand the light. Those people that have been exposed to their sin would rather say, I don't want to be in the light. i much rather live in darkness where no one can see me. Most importantly, I'd rather live in darkness where God can't see me. But we know that God is everywhere, and God sees all things. It exposes the wicked heart. It exposes our wicked ways. And it brings us to remembrance that this light will bring in witness, and it will also bring in judgment. The light has shone, and the light is shining. Friends, and that means that judgment is still around the corner. But we have this wonderful opportunity now to walk in the light. See, often we think that the gospel can be too grim. Like, oh, man, that's, that's harsh. Well, that is harsh if that's our only alternative. But the fact is that God is shining now, friends. And maybe no one's ever confronted you about your sin. But the Word of God does that. It's doing that now. And it's pulling you to Him. Leave your ways of wickedness and walk in light. This light shines so that 
everyone can believe, so that everyone become convicted. The light's purpose is to convict people of their sin, but only some will receive that call. Only some will, be, will, will have the capacity to understand their darkness. And others will fall away by the wayside. But there are some who will sit here today and say, I want to walk in life. Yeah, I'm tired of this. I don't want to be in living sinfully the rest of my life. Because that's the, that's the curious thing. We know when we're walking in sin. Some of us don't care. But most of us can say, like, hey, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I did have too much to drink yesterday night or last week. Maybe I shouldn't have slept with that woman. Or maybe I shouldn't have slept with that guy. Or maybe I should stop cheating on my wife. We know that. But then again, you're here now and you're confronted with light that will shine in that darkness and says, repent, leave those old ways, come to the light, you won't be judged for your sin, unless you remain there, come to the light. Walk in light. Let light shine over you and cancel out the darkness. Everyone is confronted with this, my friends. This is Jesus Christ in all his glory. It isn't just Jesus Christ saying, I love you. Come to me, all who are heavy laden. Let me carry your burdens. That's Jesus, but that's not all the Jesus that we get. Jesus is light, and Jesus is revealing your, your sickness. Jesus reveals our sickness. Jesus has revealed my sickness, my infirmity, my sin. So it isn't just this wonderful Jesus. It is a just Jesus. It is a Jesus that brings light. And finally, in this, in this theme of light, in verse 5, we not only get this conviction of a light that shines in the darkness, but we understand that there is constant conflict in this. So if you look back at verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There's conflict. Darkness does not like light. easier to hide in darkness. Darkness will constantly, always be against the light of Christ. Go tell the, the Jesus message. Go, go tell that to other people around that aren't in church. You'll see the reaction that you'll get in our 21st century. They'll call you intolerant. They'll call you uh, people too narrow-minded. I mean, we, we've heard it all before. There's always a debate. There's always conflict with Jesus. There's always a conflict. And this word right here uh, in, 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 in verse 5 that says, not overcome or caralambane has two aspects of its meaning. And the translators here in, in the ESV chose to use this physical sense of overcoming it. But the two, the two meanings of this verb are very important. One of them is an intellectual aspect. That's why if you might have the NIV or you might have an NLT translation, you might have a King James translation, and it, and it may say something a bit different. Some of the translations use this type of understanding in the intellectual sense. The darkness could not understand it. 
or accept it. So if we read the verse, it says, And the darkness has not understood the light or accepted the light. That's the intellectual aspect. The physical aspect that we get is what we see in the ESV translation, that the darkness could not overcome or extinguish it or put it out. But what it's really referencing here is this overall sense of conflict. So both of us, we can take, I mean, all of us here can, can take both aspects of the meaning. Darkness does not understand light, and darkness cannot overtake light. That's why the, the other verb is a present tense, continuous action that light keeps to shine. What does that mean? That Jesus Christ will shine until he comes back, and nothing will be able to put him out. There will be no one, no entity, no other person, no other government that will try. Friends, it tried, it, they, they tried to do that 2,000 years ago. Remember Rome? Remember the Jewish people? They tried to put out the light, and what happened? They, 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 their victory was, was overcome by a resurrection. Jesus Christ broke free from the grave and shined his light again. So it's never going to be put out. The light will continue to shine. The first 300 years of church history, the martyrs that came across uh, 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 um, thousands of people that would come against the light of Jesus Christ, they'd send them to the Colosseums. They'd be eaten by lions. But the light of Christ never gave up. Go through the Middle Ages and, and the, the, the years 500 to, to 1300, and, and you see that there's this dark period of, of, of civilization and dark period of, of understanding, but the light of Christ was still shining in the midst through people like Wycliffe that came out preaching the gospel even during the Middle Ages. Even when Rome and the, and the Roman concept of, of God and Christ throughout throughout the Reformation period, try to cover the light with works and with indulgences. But then came out the Reformers, and they brought the light back to surface. And they brought us there. And all these movements throughout all church history, every institution tried the Enlightenment period in the 18th century and, and this modern period in the 19th century. Every single period of, of generations of generations have tried to extinguish the light. But friends, you and I are still talking about it. And we're going to continue to talk about it until the return of Christ. It's never going to go out, but there will always be conflict. Always be a resistance, but this light will continue to shine, and it will never, ever be put out. The Jews, and we're going to be reading about this, the Jews in the Gospel of John did not understand it, and they could not overcome it either. And their unbelief was seen in their actions. They acted like the Israelites of the Old Testament by um, not believing in the word. And they acted like that in the New Testament too by crucifying Christ on a cross. This light, my friends, will always expose the true heart of people. I don't know your heart. I can see you here every Sunday and, and it's easier for me to see you guys here because you guys are very close. But in the Spanish service, there's a lot of more people here and I can't really see everybody. But I get to see you guys. And I, and I get to see people come every Sunday. I don't know your heart. 
I can't read your, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, a witch or anything. I can't, I can't see the inside of your heart. I can't see or, or know what you're thinking about. But my friends, God does. And that's who you have to answer at the end of the day. You're never going to answer to me. Like who, you, could, you could care less about what I have to say about you. But what is God, at the end of the day, at the end of your life, when you stand before judgment, when you stand face to face with God, what is he going to tell you that he saw? Is he going to see a light shining in you and, and, and it showed in the way you acted, in the way you talked, in the way you lived? Or, are you gonna, or is he going to see the light, the life of darkness that never accepted it and that never came to him? This is what we're confronted with today, and this is what the light confronts the world today. It's shining, and it's going to bring this conflict. But my friends, this is the most important aspect about it. And, and go quickly to John chapter 12 before we close. Look at what John chapter 12 says, and this is the beauty of the light. As Jesus was talking to his disciples and to many other people in his surrounding areas, look what he says in, verse, in chapter 12, verse 35. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Then what does he tell them to do? Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. What is Jesus saying? What he was telling his people there is, I'm not going to be here that much longer in the physical sense. So you walk in the light. Remember, Judas was there. And Jews were there. And a close 120 other disciples were there who eventually left him. They were there. And he said, walk in the light while you still have a chance. So my friends, what I tell you today is walk in the light while you still have time. While he is still here and while Jesus is still being preached. So the fact that you're here today, this morning, will bring that to a strong realization for you today. Will you walk in light? Or will you continue in your own ways? So let's stand and we'll close in prayer.